Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I got a bit of good news this morning. Bradley Beal expected back as soon as this weekend. This is, again, why we had him on the buy low board. Figured he was coming back soon. There hadn't been any news on it. I thought maybe like three to five days after the new year, but perhaps maybe it'll be about five to seven days sooner than that. Even a slight improvement on our already somewhat optimistic expectations. The thing about the Beal buy low and why he was on our buy low show on this most recent Tuesday and the previous one is that not only has he been hurt, and there wasn't an update until this morning, but people are frustrated with him, and rightfully so, because he's been hurt the whole damn season. And so now there's this expectation that's like, oh, well, this is just going to be one of those years where he's hurt the entire year. That's not necessarily how it goes. And maybe it does, but prior to this morning, you probably could have gotten him for basically anybody who's had top 100 value all year, and now whoever has him is probably going to stick this thing out. See, I told you I'd do a better job at getting some of the uh, news out there to you at the beginning of the show. Did it before I even said hello. So now, we'll say hello. It's happening, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris. It's a sports ethos presentation. You can find me over on social media at Dan Bespris. Please do make a point Could to rate, like, subscribe, however you're taking in the pod. Whatever little thing you can do does continue to go a long way. We'll tell you about our buddies over at Manscaped Middle of the Show, who did indeed re-up for another few months. Shout out to uh, Delante on yesterday's show for buying Manscaped while we were live on air. That's sweet. Ethos20, by the way, is that promo code. We got kind of a short card yesterday to go over. I want to dive into that uh, basically immediately here, um, because I do have some things I want to tell you in terms of scheduling for the show We'll also take a look at what's coming up on the, because I guess it's sort of a slightly larger than average Thursday card tonight. We got eight games. I've told you guys a million times, I love the seven and eight game cards. These are my favorites. You get just enough action to where you got to be locked in, but it's not super overwhelming. So I love it. Anyway, we'll dive into that in a minute. First, Toronto at Washington. Raptors tried out a new starting lineup and it worked. At least for a game. I mean, you know, it doesn't hurt that they were playing the Wizards, who are not good, but at least had been kind of competitive lately. Jakob Pertl's been annoying. Uh, just 21 minutes again in this ball game. Raptors have been running small more often lately. Uh, if you have Pertl, you're pretty much just sticking it out. He's kind of a little bit of a buy low right now. Then they'll play some teams where they need him in there more, and he'll put up better numbers in those ones. That, I don't think, was the main point of this one. couple of main points... Uh, OG Ananobi was better every time it seems like he's getting going. He falls apart every time it seems like he's completely falling apart. He has a few that gets him going. Meh. Uh, he's also, well, he was kind of a buy low, maybe not as much after this ball game. But I thought the bigger news was Gary Trent being inserted into the starting five and Dennis Schroeder being shifted to the bench. It didn't change the, the minute distribution all that much albeit this game was a massive blowout, so it's hard to know how the you know the final five would have looked. We can't necessarily know for sure. If you have Dennis Schroeder, you're probably holding, 
He's number 115 in nine cat. A lot of that's because he's decent in assists and hasn't really done much else. Good free throw shooting also. Uh, and I get it. Assists are hard to find on the wire. So he's not a, he's not a drop. He's kind of like right at the very back end of startable. And that's fine. But as far as Gary Trent goes, you know, I picked him up in a couple of spots. I didn't pick him up everywhere because I felt like the drops that I would have had to part with were I don't maybe not necessarily better but as good or better you know I just I felt like I would have been parting with someone I had more confidence in I'm trying to think of an example of this yesterday uh someone like a Patrick Williams I think was the the player I was debating whether or not I wanted to, to drop now he's coming off a bad ball game his last time out but Williams has been pretty good for about a month now I think he's like right around the edge of the top 100 over the last month over the last three weeks he's like number 85 there's a chance that Trent could go higher than that my reticence on on Trent and I know he had two steals in this ball game is that nobody on the Raptors now that Nick Nurse is gone is getting the with the exception of Scotty Barnes basically is getting the kind of defensive stuff that they got under Nick Nurse. Some of that was the big minutes. Some of that was just schemes. And if Gary Trent isn't getting one and a half steals per game, there just isn't enough else there because he's not going to score that much, a little bit more as a starter just because he'll be out there longer. So, okay, three pointers, but it's got to be threes, points, and steals. And if two of those three things aren't there, then he has kind of no way to get to actual fantasy value. Still, Looping back around to the front end of that conversation, I did pick him up in a couple of spots where I was able to drop, you know, short-term fill-in kind of guy who I thought, all right, well, this guy's got maybe, you know, one to two more injury fill-in kind of ball games. I would rather have Gary Trent because if this sticks, maybe there's a shot. He now is like that type, you know, 115 range kind of guy long-term, which is actually sort of useful. Probably more so in head-to-head than Roto, but whatever. Wizards side, we can throw it right out the window. They got blown out. Luckily, Tyus Jones survived it with 11-5 and five and a couple of steals. Daniel Gafford survived it, 12-8, and eight, with five defensive stats. And nobody else really did. Jordan Poole, I guess 14-4-4 four four was not so horrid. Kyle Kuzma was 14-4-7, uh, and seven, but five turnovers, bad shooting numbers. I mean, I, I tried to warn you guys. This is one that hurts me when people didn't listen. Because I warned, and I warned, and I warned, and I was like, look, Kyle Kuzma's going to be a guy who scores a bunch of points, but he's probably not going to be a good fantasy play. And now here is where we are. Kuzma's scoring 22.5 points a game. He's a positive there. He's been a positive in assists from the power forward spot, but no steals, minimal blocks, bad field goal, bad free throw, bad turnovers. The bad is out outweighing the good. If you're not punting any of those things... And you know I do a show that basically talks about 9-cat roto. You can apply it to your league. If you're rolling head-to-head and, you know, if you're a punt-steals team, he makes more sense. If you're a punt-free-throw or field goal or both, yikes, team, he makes a little bit more sense. But it's been this, not that slow anymore, pretty steady decline off the crazy numbers he had to start the year that just aren't there anymore. Anyway, this was a blowout, so again, don't do anything valuation-wise. This is stuff that we felt even before this ballgame, but just kind of wanted to 
etch that farther into the stone that we've already been etching on for the last five weeks or more. Philly was without Joel Embiid again, and, you know, the reports on him are not great. I, I'm not super freaked out about it, but he's getting ruled out a day in advance. Their next ball game for the Sixers is the one that I'm a bit more interested in because he was just, like, didn't make this sort of two-game jaunt for Philly down to Florida, Miami, and Orlando were their two games. Now they'll I mean, they, the team will probably head straight to Houston because that's easier than going home and then back out again. But if Embiid now rejoins the team for the Houston-Chicago back-to-back, I'll feel a little bit less nervous about the thing. We talked about it on yesterday's show, though. If Embiid isn't 100% and he misses these two games, there's basically one game over the next five days for the Sixers. So it's possible that they're just like, you know what, we're in pretty good shape. Maybe we can steal one of these games in Houston or Chicago. Maybe we beat Chicago one out of the two home-and-home uh, home sets and get Embiid back after New Year's. That would be January 5th, I think, is when after their sort of like low-tide era. They might just do that. Teams try to sort of grade out what they can get versus what they're going to miss. We'll see. In the meantime, Paul Reed was good. I know he had foul trouble in the previous one. I wimped out on playing him here because I thought Orlando would get him back in foul trouble, and he was able to sort of find his way through. Good. I still have him on a couple of clubs because we know he's a good Embiid fill-in play. People give him a hard time, Paul Reed. I don't know what they... They're not going to score 30. He's not Embiid. You want a guy who's going to get you some points, some boards, some steals, some blocks, some field goal percent and not kill you anywhere. And then, you know, again, that foul trouble game obviously hurt a lot. But by and large, he's playable when Embiid is out. Kelly Oubre was bad in this one. That, I think, surprised a lot of people, myself included. At least he had two steals and two blocks to kind of keep from totally ruining the night. Generally, when Embiid is out, I would say Oubre is a relatively safe play. you got to figure that he's going to go get some shots, but he just sort of didn't in this game. I don't exactly know why, uh, but I would probably play him in the next one if Embiid's still down because you can't make our decision on one game, and he was good in the in the one before it. For the Magic, this was just kind of an ugly one. Jalen Suggs was fine. Uh, Franz Wagner was also fine. I mean, I guess you could say Paolo was fine, although you know, 21 shots and missing almost all of them is not great. I think the only thing to look at you know, maybe there's two two things to look at with Orlando right now. One is that the center rotation is a disaster. Batadze played nine minutes. Wendell Carter Jr. played 22. Mo Wagner played 16. None of those guys needs to be rostered in nine category leagues. And then Cole Anthony is someone I mentioned as a guy who is going to run out of steam off his extremely hot streak. And he has. And I think we can officially put Cole Anthony into our inaugural for 2023 stream while warm category of players, which now includes Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, Cole Anthony, and oh, I'm forgetting somebody. Doesn't matter. You guys get the idea. Let's keep going. Milwaukee Brooklyn was the story of the night, not for fantasy purposes, but because Brooklyn basically tanked a game right in the middle of the season, and you've got to believe the NBA is not going to be happy about it. And the players, frankly, weren't that happy about it. Because Basically, like, 80% of the rotation sat the game to begin with. Maybe more like 60. And then Mikel Bridges, Cam Thomas, and Royce O'Neal played most of the first quarter and then didn't come back. That's rough. 
Brooklyn didn't really give any indication that this was happening either, which made it extra goofball. I feel somewhat fortunate that I talked about streaming Dennis Smith Jr. on yesterday's podcast, and then I did it in a couple of spots, and he had 14-7-8 and eight with a steal. Not a great ball game, but a fine one, certainly, because he was one of the, well, he's basically the only starter who actually played normal minutes. And then the guys that ended up playing yesterday, Jalen Wilson, who I can quite frankly tell you I did not know was an NBA player. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. Uh, Armani Brooks, who I think last time I heard of his name was when I ended had his like Top Shot debut card four years ago or something like that. Uh, what the hell is going on with Top Shot these days? Is it dead yet? It's dead, right? Uh, Noah Clowney, who I thought was a football player. So, I uh, like... This sucked. No way around it. Like, if you played Mikael Bridges, Cam Thomas, or Royce O'Neal, who all seemed like they should be pretty good fill-ins, they were not only bad fill-ins, but they also blew a Roto Games cap, if you're in that format, playing just one quarter of a basketball game. Nets should get in trouble for this. This was bad. Betters, fantasy players, whatever, you know, we wouldn't have that big of a problem with it if they just told us what was up but hiding the fact that the other three rotation guys just weren't going to play after the first quarter, that's the kind of crap you do at the end of a season. And Mikael Bridges was mad about it. He came out after the ball game and he was like, yeah, I mean, I guess whatever. Like, I'm not happy about it. Uh, because they wanted him to keep his games played streak going. He wanted to play the ball game. They were like, you need rest? He was like, no, I never need rest. So, like, it's almost like... They couldn't even get their soldiers in line for this one to go, you know, say the company line. Yep, we're all tired, blah, blah, blah. Go on, work about, go about our day. So on the other side, you can't read too much into the box either. Like, you know, Brooke Lopez, he didn't have to do much. Neither did Dame. Giannis did well in his minutes. Chris Middleton actually had a nice ball game. Bobby Portis got defensive stats, which was kind of weird. And he's always going to pick on teams that are sub-NBA level, but then campaign, Marjan Beauchamp. These guys had good ball games. Nobody knew that crap was coming. Malik Beasley had five three-pointers. He's been a hold for me. I know he only played 22 minutes, but again, I, I, I cannot bring myself to care about any result that happened in this ball game. Phoenix blew out Houston behind Kevin Durant's big triple-double, 27-10 and 16 for KD. Not that anybody was worried about him, but it moves Kevin Durant back into the first round on a per-game basis. He pushes James Harden back out. Those two flip-flopped the 12 and 13 slots last night. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. 
Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Um, what do we want to take away from this ball game? Not much. Eric Gordon had one of his games where he just exploded and this happens, you know, once in every like three weeks for him. Grayson Allen's been excellent lately. Devin Booker was, you know, for him, kind of perfectly average. Devin Booker is such a weird story because it's so strange to see somebody averaging like 28 and 8 that's sitting in the third round, but that's where he's at at 9-cat right now. Some of it's turnovers, some of it's low defensive stats, some of it's low three-pointers, It's uh, and a lot of it in my eyes is just how unbelievable the top 20 is this year. These guys are putting up... Re- it, it, it's uh, To me, it's not close. Like This is the most fantasy plush, thick, top of the board that I can ever remember. It makes handicapping the players a little bit harder, but you just sort of have to remember how impossible it is to get inside the top 10 anymore. Anywho, if Bradley Beal is indeed coming back, I assume he takes Eric Gordon's spot in the starting five. Some of you might think it's Grayson Allen. I think it's Eric Gordon that gets benched because I think they'll want a little scoring punch coming off the pine, which means, for the moment at least, I'm not pre-dropping Grayson Allen. I never had Eric Gordon on my team. I don't like his fantasy game. He got off to kind of a hot start this year, and this ball game pushed him back up to the edge of the top 100, but he was more like in that 125-130 range. Uh, And he's done a lot of his damage, obviously, with at least one superstar, sometimes two out. Gordon, to me, has almost no chance of holding 12-team value when Beal comes back. Grayson Allen has, like, a 30% chance, which is still sub-50-50, but not a pre-drop level. And that's the story on Phoenix. You know, let's hope we get Beal back. This is a Shams report, so it's a legit one. And he's targeting the weekend, which, in my eyes, I guess is either Friday or Sunday. But it kind of feels like, you know, first game in the new year would pretty much be the latest for Beal because you know, they've got a back-to-back. Phoenix does. They're hosting Orlando and then the Blazers. Maybe they just wait and play him on the tail end of that back-to-back. The silver lining on the Bradley Beal stuff is, remember, he missed like a month or whatever it was with a back injury. He's been out with an ankle thing this time. And for better or worse, it's given his back another month to get right. So I think we can hopefully put the back stuff behind us. I assume he's been doing all the back exercises his body can handle during this ankle absence. So uh, that's why I'm okay with buying low. It just feels like, you know, these these guys come back from ankle stuff all the time. If the back thing, that's the one I was more worried about. If this now has had more than enough time to get right, Beal should be able to walk his way towards top 80 on the year. Houston had another player go down. They're in a little bit of a bad spot right now. Jabari Smith Jr. played about half of this ballgame and then turned an ankle. He joins Dylan Brooks on the shelf, and it didn't look great for Jabari. I don't know what kind of timeline that is, but the Rockets have uh, been in a little bit of a... It's not a tailspin, but they've been in a little bit of a funk after getting off to a very quick start this season. And right now, and this is what hurts a lot of teams, some clubs are deeper than others and can withstand this kind of stuff. The Rockets are not one of those teams. This is a club that, when healthy, seemed comfortable playing about 1.2 players off the bench, meaning Tari Eason, when healthy, 
and like a point two of Jeff Green. And now they're down Dylan Brooks and probably Jabari Smith for at least the next ball game. And Brooks has been ruled out for a couple of weeks at this point. So, yeah, you're going to get a lot of Alperin Shangun. You're going to get most likely a lot of Freddie Van Vliet when the game is more competitive. You're going to get a lot of Tari Eason when he's healthy and the game's competitive. And I know he didn't do the game you all wanted yesterday, but he had five damn steals. So that alone is worth a start. And then I guess the question is, does Jalen Green now, is he forced into doing enough? Or are his percentages so bad that even with an overwhelming amount of usage, is he still not good enough to play? And I don't know that I have the answer to that. I do wonder about a guy like a Jay Sean Tate. Could he creep into fantasy value? Could Aaron Holiday creep into fantasy value? I'm doubting it for 12-teamers. You know, certainly anything more than just like a schedule play. What does Houston have coming up here? Not much. This was the back end of a back-to-back, and now they play one game over the next four days. They do have a four-game week next week. So if Smith and Brooks are still out, then maybe you look at some of those more fringy guys. But it feels like Shangun. Van Vliet, Eason are your safe plays. And then Jeff Green is like the, well, when in Rome kind of thing. Not I, said the fly. Not I, said me, Dan Vespers. I don't want it. Before we talk about the Knicks, the Thunder, and then that that late Mavs game, uh, I do want to, again, give you guys the code ethos20 over at manscaped.com. I'm, I'm going to shout out Delante again. I see you in the chat room, bud. Thank you for getting something at Manscaped yesterday right in the middle of the show. I actually took that moment and screenshotted it, and I really did send it to the Manscaped rep to say, like, look, it's happening. Things are by, things We're moving units, and I think they were happy about that. So anyway, they've re-upped um, for the next three months. And they are fully aware that like that's uh, things start to slow a little bit over the next three months. But either way, uh, really cool to have them around. They're now completing their, their third full season of partnership with us here at Fantasy NBA Today. And so uh, to that end, I hope you guys continue to get stuff with them. Promo code again is ethos20, ethos20, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Handyman is the one I've been using a lot of lately. I know I've, I've talked about the lawnmower the last two years, but I really love that they made a traditional electric razor, the Handyman. You can take care and get a tighter shave with that bad boy without, you know, traditional blades if that's not your jam. So go check them out. Post haste. Thank you in advance for that. Emmanuel quickly is the is all a buzz these days. He's been playing well. He's been scoring well. He hasn't been doing a whole lot else, but mostly the notes on quickly right now are uh, that Knicks people want him playing and they don't know why the hell he's not. Basically, that he was part of a unit that got the the Knicks back into this ball game, and then he got yanked for the final four minutes for reasons we don't fully know. And the Knicks don't really talk to the media. So everybody's getting pissed, and rightfully so. What are you going to do with this dude? You didn't extend him. You're not really playing him enough to be an impact guy. So what's the plan here? The answer is, I don't know. Does all this smoke create a fire? Like, is it kind of work in reverse where everybody is sort of bullying the Knicks into playing Emmanuel quickly more? That, you know, Tibbs doesn't seem like a guy who's going to get bullied into playing somebody. Do they move him 
because perhaps he's not part of the long-term plans. And you know there's a lot of teams that would love to give quickly the basketball for 30 minutes a game and go see what he can do. Like a young team take a shot on him? Hell yeah. I suppose there's a certain element of stash value too quickly because he at least is doing some stuff in the interim, not enough to be a traditional 12-teamer. I'm not, I'm not stashing, but I also understand that there is a pathway to him ending up someplace else or even someplace here, although it would probably take a Jalen Brunson, Brunson injury to get him there. But quickly, it is the story right now. Although perhaps the story should be Shea Gilgis-Alexander being unguardable. Honestly, he's one of the most unguardable players in the NBA right now. More, more than some of the guys who have bigger name value. Nice to see Jalen Williams with another big ball game. He's worked himself up into the 60s, so we, you know, calling him a buy low was a pretty easy decision, and he's on his way up the board. And there's really not much else that happens with the Thunder on a day-to-day. Lou Dort had one good ball game and went back to being terrible, and so you got Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chad Holmgren, and that's all you really need to worry about. And then Cleveland came back and beat Dallas. I think they were down 20 at one point in this game. Jared Allen, 24 points, 23 rebounds. Almost caught Andre Drummond. He's into the 60s on a per-game basis in fantasy, so that one's coming around. Uh, I thought there was almost no chance Donovan Mitchell was going to miss this ballgame, but he really got laid out by this illness. It sounded like he was almost good to go, but they just let it dangle one more day and then the Cavs came through with a unexpected win they've got Milwaukee at home tomorrow they're on a really low tide part of the schedule too so maybe they just take the L against the Bucks. we'll see I thought Donovan Mitchell for sure was playing in this last ball game now I feel like maybe he's less sure to play in the next one because if he skips the Milwaukee game that then sort of finishes up a stretch for the Cavs where they had two games over eight days he can rest and rest and rest and rest and rest. Then he comes back potentially on January 1st in Toronto. I don't know. If he's out, Craig Porter's been streamable. Um, Isaac Okoro has actually been streamable, although you know a lot of his value is tied up in a field goal percent that we know won't stick forever. Max Struess has been very up and down lately. The shot has kind of fallen off for him. Uh, he's now shooting just 40% on the season. He's actually a buy low in my eyes because still averaging 14, 5, and 4 with three three-pointers, a steal, and half a block. Uh, but 40% from the field, if that works its way back up to like 43, 44, then he just jumps back up into the 70s and 80s, which uh, is probably where he goes. And the way you get there is by shooting better than that for a couple of weeks. It's possible that he's just a guy who's going to be better when the stars are there also. Karis LeVert is very much a go. Uh, I know he's going to have his percentages issues, and that was certainly a problem in this ballgame, missing a few free throws, no defensive stats, although usually he can get you a steal. Uh, but he's a, certainly a start while both superstars are out in Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And then LeVert, to me, is still a start even when one of those guys comes back, just not both. And I swear, every day I say the same thing. I just can't believe that Dante Exum is going to stay this efficient all year long, and he just keeps doing it. He's number 70 over the last two weeks, shooting 66% from the field. This is not a sustainable number, and yet you have to play him while he's this hot. So Dante Exum also can kind of go in the stream while hot, although there's certainly there's also kind of a fill-in 
situation going on here with no Kyrie Irving. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's creating a lot of shots for Seth Curry, actually, in yesterday's game. But Tim Hardaway Jr., Derek Jones Jr., more for Dante Exum than he'd be getting otherwise. I keep wimping out. And he keeps having these efficient shooting games. Made all four of his free throws again. Like, this dude just is not missing right now. It's crazy. It's absolutely wild. I can't explain it. Seth Curry also got hot. You can probably ignore that. Derek Jones Jr. floated his value with some blocks in this ball game. And that's the thing with both of these guys. That I mean, like, I get it. We might be missing out on a few games from these dudes here and there. But, like, look, Derek Jones Jr. is outside the top 150 over the last two weeks because, just like with Exum, a lot of the value is tied to field goal percent. Derek Jones Jr.'s field goal percent has been lower the last two weeks, and so his value fell by 100 damn slots, which is exactly what will, at some point, happen to Dante Exum. I just don't know when. So keep playing him, I guess, until he gets cold. But it's going to happen, and I just know the second that I'm like, fine, I'll put him in my lineup. That's the day it's going to happen, which I realize is bunk. That's just a thing that humans feel in our hearts we're somehow responsible for. And yet, at the same time, I do feel somehow responsible for it. Tim Hardaway Jr. is also, uh, to some degree, tied to field goal percent, although uh, given his usage is usually higher than these other guys, with Kyrie Irving out, I feel a little bit safer with him, even if yesterday's ball game, he was actually the worst of all of those guys. But you just sort of feel safer with the guy you know is going to take the second most shots on the team, and then you just kind of have to hope that he doesn't only make 30% of them, which is precisely what he did yesterday. Hey, throw a like and a subscribe on something while I flip between yesterday's scores and the, and today's upcoming games, won't you? Won't you, my friends? Won't you? At the end of the show, I'm going to take a quick look uh, in the chat room, see if anybody's got some sort of overarching questions. But quickly here before that, let's talk about the upcoming schedule. Boston is a 17-point home favorite to the Detroit Pistons. Nobody wants to lose to the Pistons. Celtics look like they're going to try to get some of their guys a little bit of a rest. Looks like Jalen Brown is going to get this one off. They're going to call it a back injury, which is fine. He took a LeBron leg to the back in their game out in Los Angeles. Tatum is going to play. We'll see if anybody else gets ruled out later on today. Uh, I don't have any great guesses on who that might be, but keep an eye on it. And if you're a betting man, I don't know how you don't take 17 points. That's a lot of points. Um, What do we got fantasy-wise? Yeah, I mean, Detroit, you know, it's a 9-cat. They're a 3-trick horse right now with Jalen Duran back. Utah is a team to watch. I don't know what the hell's going on with them. They keep rotating starting lineups. It feels like Colin Sexton is about to lose his, his gusto, but maybe not. Keontae George, is he kind of working his way back up? Does John Collins ever get his job back, or have they pivoted a different way? What about Walker Kessler? There's a lot going on there. Not much that we can just say, like, oh, this is a thing I know is going to happen. I just, like, I'm curious what Utah looks like from game to game, and if you can watch this one, that's even better. I kind of ran out of patience with Herb Jones in the last ball game, and I feel like that means he's going to finally have a good one here, but that's it on the Pelican side. Dallas, we just talked about Minnesota. As long as everybody's healthy, not a whole lot to pay attention to there. Um, what's Cat's deal? Do we have a Cat update? Hmm. Nothing yet this morning. Um, 
yeah, so that's it. Keep an eye on him. If Cat sits, you can probably extend the Nas Reed thing, even if he wasn't that great in their last ball game. I'm sure he'd be better in this one. Pacers, Bulls. Pacers tried a new look lineup in their last one. Aaron Neesmith and Jalen Smith. The Neesmiths, the knee, and then parentheses, Smiths, all got into the starting lineup and looked pretty good in their time out there. I don't know how many minutes that means Jalen Smith's going to get. We put him on our watch list after the last ball game. He might end up as an ad, depending on how this one goes. And then Chicago, no Vooch for a week and a half. So fire up the Andre Drummonds. Let's see if Patrick Williams can get it back going. Indiana's defense is usually good for all fantasy participants. We'll see if that holds. On the Indy side, uh, keep an eye on Buddy Heald. See if his minutes fall back uh, kind of off to the wayside with him coming off the bench. They didn't in the last ball game, but he still played enough. But I am concerned because bench Buddy Heald was not very good to start the year, and starter Buddy Heald, fantasy-wise at least, was pretty good. Grizzlies are feeling their oats these days. Denver is without Aaron Gordon. I think we can just watch and see if anybody's worth an actual fill-in grab. Aaron Gordon was uh, bit by a dog, like a lot, it sounds like. Face and hands, so he's out for a little bit. I don't know that anybody that the drops in here for the Nuggets is going to get to do enough with that starting five, but we'll see. For the Heat, Jimmy Butler is questionable, so we can't make any real calls on them until later on today. Warriors are favored by three and a half, which kind of makes you feel like Butler's going to sit, but eh, who knows. For the Warriors, Pajemski's been good. Um, Steph and Clay have been good lately. I am not totally sold on Trace Jackson Davis as a long-term thing, and certainly if if Draymond Green is back in like the next two weeks, then that takes whatever shine off there. And kind of the same story for Jonathan Kaminga. Let's see if Andrew Wiggins can put together two okay games in a row. That would be a first for the year. For the Spurs, Wembenyama is sitting one half of this back-to-back in Portland. I think they said the first half, but I don't know if it's fully confirmed today yet. So... Keep an eye on that, and whichever game Wemby sits, you can start Zach Collins. Keep an eye on Champagny. Keep an eye on whatever else the Spurs are doing in their infinite tanky wisdom this year, trying every lineup they can put together besides the ones that actually involve Trey Jones because I think they're afraid he might actually lead them to a win. Portland, it all, in my opinion, any decisions we're making here come down to Shaden Sharp. We know DeAndre Ayton is out, but I also know that I'm way too big of a wuss to throw Duop Reith into the uh, into my lineups in a roto format. I knew he had a good ball game last time out, but I just... Okay, so the Spurs would certainly be the time to try it, and you've got them two times in a row because San Antonio can't guard anybody, but I'm also kind of nervous about it. And then with Charlotte, Brandon Miller, I believe, is questionable. I think we got that news... Uh, was that first thing this morning or late last night? That was late last night. He's questionable. Mark Williams still doubtful. Gordon Hayward is already out. So Charlotte is uh, kind of Terry Rozier versus the world right now. Nick Richards still seems to be a good fill-in. P.J. Washington. This is this game has big P.J. written all over it. Lakers are going to be floating through this game. And uh, with uh, maybe they're going to continue to use that idiotic new starting lineup. And it's of course they're going to it's going to work because Charlotte's terrible. Oh, Lakers. You idiots. Um... I still kind of like Torian Prince on the Lakers' side. He's been doing enough. Uh, but, you know, keep an eye on how these rotations shake out. I'm holding D'Angelo Russell almost regardless of what happens over the next few days because I just can't believe 
that he's suddenly going to just be a 16-minute-per-game guy long-term. That's nonsense. He's too good offensively for that. And I know the Lakers have rebounding and defense issues, but just find a way, man. He's better out there for your team than Cam Reddish is. Find a way. Because Cam also doesn't rebound. Defends better, but he's also useless on offense. I don't get it, Lakers. I really don't. I watch all of these games, and I just don't understand what's happening right now. Charlotte's side, uh, I think Cody Martin was the name I mentioned as someone to watch. Uh, there's almost no chance that I drop him into my lineup. Bryce McGowan's has been getting the starts, and I just really don't care about that. And that's about as far as I go with what's going on this evening, and that is about as far as I go with what's going on on today's program as we glance into the chat room. What do we got going on over here? Anything of extreme note? A lot of folks helping each other. I like that. Oh, uh, Joey asks, with Jalen Brown out tonight, who's the best streaming option? It's usually Sam Hauser when a guard or small wing is out. Uh, but we'll see if Hauser gets the start or if Al Horford gets the start. Boston is on a back-to-back. So my guess is that Horford or Porzingis sits this one. Possibly both if they think they can win because they've got a tougher game against Toronto tomorrow. Not like not that Toronto is a bunch of world beaters, but they got a much better shot to win than Detroit does. So keep an eye on this Boston thing because, you know, if, if Horford sits and Jalen Brown sits, you got to figure that Hauser gets into the starting lineup and against a bad team, he's going to get five or six three-pointers up into the air. And then tomorrow, if Porzingis is down, we may have an opportunity to sort of get out in front of an Al Horford thing because KP's been sitting back-to-backs. Boston has a back-to-back this week, next week, the week after that. I think they've got how many weeks in a row? That's it, three weeks in a row. They've Actually, you go back. They've had five weeks in a row with a back-to-back. So you may have an opportunity to flip Horford in for two or three games here over the next two and a half weeks. And on the Roto side, that actually makes a lot of sense. But I don't know that I actually answered the question, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Shahar says, let us know when you pick Exum so we know when the slump is coming. I'm telling you, man, it doesn't feel like we have control over this. I know for a fact I don't, but it sure feels like I'd, I will. F. Scott Foster says, been here since the days of the Hawaiian coffee sponsorship. Yeah, Hawaiian Isles. That was like our first partnership, and they kind of ghosted us. I'd love to work with them again. They had they gave us uh, prizes we could give away, these nice, like, three, five-pound bags of, of beans. People love those things. Ah, well. Um, a lot of Bradley Beal questions. I hope that I answered those on the show. Um, if I didn't, I'll, I'll throw a little bit more about that on, uh, on social media. And again, anything else that's not sort of uh, relevant for everyone, make sure that you throw it in the comments section, and I'll try to get over to that tonight. Uh, what is your gut feeling on Joel Embiid's return? I'm thinking after the Chicago games, but I don't know for sure. They've got a couple of those, and if they give them all that time off, they have this really light schedule next week. And I feel like they'd love to give Embiid that part of the calendar to kind of get right. Sixers are 21-9. and nine. They're three games up on the four-seeded Heat. They're in a really good spot right now. I know they'd love to catch the Bucks and or the Celtics, but I also know that Joel Embiid is more important. So if that means missing whatever it is, three more games to get like a full week off, they might roll it that way. 
You know, it's not like missing two games for a guy that maybe isn't actually hurt. It seems like he actually does have something going on. But if if that means, you know, a couple more games buys him a week, week plus, they probably lean that way. But again, I don't know. I think we'll get more news maybe even as early as later today when we find out if he's traveling for the rest of the Sixers road trip. And then you'll have a much better idea of whether he's even trying to get into those games uh, or if they're looking at perhaps when the team gets back home. I want to quickly let you guys know what's coming up on uh, Fantasy NBA Today because the schedule is going to get a little bit weird here over the next, like, four-ish days through the new year. Um, the Best Bruce crew is going on vacation, going out of town. I'm hoping to get a show out to you guys later on tonight with the Week in Review and possibly also a kind of a quick look ahead at next week, which is, despite New Year's, a relatively normal week, by the way. Um a quick scan of the calendar. I don't know that any team even has two games next week. I think every single team in the NBA is either three or four, which makes it one of the easiest weeks for streaming because you can turn some threes into fours. There's not, there, there aren't really any obvious avoid teams other than maybe you argue like Charlotte because they got five games or one game over the final five days of the week, but everybody else is spaced pretty good in there. Uh, and then Philly, who we just talked about, kind of comes into the week on a slow part of the calendar, but ramps up by the end of it. Then they go into a bad schedule. Philly's schedule actually gets really light here over the next little bit. Uh, but again, that's what I'm hoping to get to you guys tonight. It'll kind of be like a speed round version of that. We'll try to do it all in 45 or 50 minutes instead of rolling over an hour. Um, but that's the plan, because then there will not be another show until Tuesday. After that, we're going to have uh, Monday off because I'll be traveling that day. And that's why I'm hoping I can get you kind of a Friday-Monday combo show late tonight that will be good and relevant all throughout the weekend. So bear with us a little bit on that. Again, uh, I don't go anywhere kind of ever. Uh, so that's why I don't almost don't really know what to do with myself. Um, but thank you again for watching, everybody. That's what's coming up here in terms of like weird scheduling on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, I am at Dan Bespris over on social, and I will again hope to talk to you guys later on this evening. Make sure to subscribe, however you're taking in this content, so you get an alert when that very large many-day combo show probably maybe comes out. We'll figure it out on the fly. Either way, see you guys on social between now and then. We'll talk Bradley Beal over there. Later for now.